0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. It is the Anton Savage Show, live from the 18th Green here in Drumoland at the KPMG Women's Irish Open. This is obviously also where every two-stroke engine in Clare has come to gather for their annual conference. So it's our apologies if you hear background noise. But that's the kind of thing that happens when they're trying to make the golf course as pretty as the golf course looks. I'm joined here in Drumoland by uh, Porrick McMahon, who is head of news and sport at the Clare Echo, and Dan Danaher, who is a senior reporter with the Clare Champion. And back at base in uh, Dublin is Barbara Scott author and broadcaster, and we're going to look at all of the stories making the news this weekend. And I suppose the, the where we have to start, Dan, is with the um, the sad stories that are making the news, because common in all the papers is coverage of road deaths. Um, it has been a horrendous week. It has been a horrendous couple of weeks in terms of road deaths. Most recently, young man um, in his 20s killed outside... Uh, busaurus in the centre of town and it's raising questions about an issue that I think to some extent we thought was sorted which was road safety.
1: Yeah, it's a massive issue there um, and I suppose particularly in terms of young people and when we've seen there, the heart-rending scenes there in Clonmel, I think it's every parent's worst, night- worst nightmare to get that call to say that your son or daughter <coughs> has been in a serious traffic accident or worse still, that they're killed. Uh, the figures are very alarming and um, you have there are 125 people have been killed uh, so far. You have one death in, in every near two days. I mean, certainly, I think there's a need for radical action. Uh, and I think maybe using maybe the likes of the Department of Education to maybe enter, to have a have a course maybe in the Leaving Certificate. I think we need to maybe think outside the box because the, the numbers certainly are horrific.
0: The difficult thing, I suppose, though, is because I was listening to Eamon Ryan talking to um, Kim Cuddy yesterday on, on the hard shoulder, and Eamon Ryan was talking about things like maybe a reduction, a blanket reduction in overall speed limits. But if you look at the underlying deaths, a huge amount of them are in the category that the RSA would call road users it's pedestrians it's like the young man in the center town who was who was killed by the bus it is a more difficult um, cohort i would have thought to try to protect than simply being able to say everybody needs to drive slower or we need to stop drink driving which are to some extent issues that have been resolved it, it, it is very difficult
1: and uh, given examples you you mentioned I don't think there's enough of oversight when it comes to guard statistics. I mean, there is a lot of statistics out there, but I'm not aware that we we're actually delving in enough into the kind of causes of accidents. And, I mean, I'm not... I mean, the Gardaí, you know do investigate them, but what happens when the investigation is completed? Does it, does the Minister for Transport oversee the overall figures, the overall... That's, I don't think we're doing enough there to delve beneath the figures because, like, the figures are one thing, but the devastation that it leaves behind for 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 parents for families i mean unless you're actually in the
0: middle of it it is just unthinkable well i mean parkman man that that devastation is is reflected on the front of the irish daily mail today their headline <laughs> goodbye our princess and our warrior crash siblings laid to rest as town comes to stand still and they have a, a picture on on the front of um paul McSweeney carrying the coffin of his daughter and son. I mean, how a family ever recovers from that. Yeah, no, it's,
2: it's been truly a heroin week and, and you can't recall as much tragedy on Irish roads in a long time, particularly with the ages of the people um, involved in a lot of single vehicle collisions. But even the the McSweeney's mother told the funeral yesterday just to for the people to try and make the world a better place in their memory, that was their message. There was a message played from Conor McGregor, Shan Uccles raised. Like, it's just, I suppose the whole timing of it the fact that it was a day after the leaving cert results it's it's something that the whole country was was numbed by in, in some extent and as Dan says like there is just the pace at which things are done they are single vehicle collisions like if you're looking to get speed ramps put in an area people would say funding people say time acceleration in, ter- in terms of getting it done just the ma- things done in this country seems to take an awful long time um, and it's why tragedies like these can definitely be avoided.
0: Right, and of course that one particularly tragic as you say, given that they, the, the three of the four in the car were at that period where you would expect this to be a rubicon for the next phase in your life not to be the end of it. 53106 at a cost of 30 cent if you want to get in touch right 1400 106. Uh, on the front page of the uh, Irish Daily Mail is another story. Barbara Scully, I, I wanted to get your view on this. Um, uh, above just under the masthead they have Alpha Fayed, father of Diana's lover, is dead aged 94. He was of course the father of uh, Dodi Al Fayed but he was much more than that it has to be said. I mean this was a man who absolutely shook up the British elite way back when he bought the the Queen's favourite shop (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, Mohammed Al-Fayed, an Egyptian businessman, a Muslim who bought um, Harrods, um, and also I think was sponsor of the Windsor Horse Show, and who seemed to have spent, in my memory anyway back in the day, seemed to have spent an awful lot of time trying to join the establishment uh, in the UK, um, and particularly curry favour with the royal family, um, which ultimately he was uh, also unsuccessful in. He was refused citizenship um, again, despite all of his investments and all of his businesses uh, in the UK and of course he's most uh, well known to somebody like me as being the father of Dodi Al-Fayed who was um, well he claimed that they were that that Dodi and Diana were actually engaged at the time of their deaths uh, back in 1997 um, in Paris where they had left um, uh, his hotel and um, it's very. It's, I, I actually thought when I saw this, I when I saw this news last night, I was like, "Oh, I thought he was dead already," <laughs> because obviously we haven't heard a lot about uh, Mohammed Al Fayed in the last few years. So he lived to be a good age, and it is interesting that his death comes almost 26 years to the day after Dodi and Diana uh, were killed in the car crash. They died on the 31st of August and Muhammad died on the 30th of August earlier this week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was somebody who who was very much part of many of the stories uh, back in the 90s. Um, and uh, he certainly he was very bitter after the deaths of Diana and Dodie, because I think he thought that that, it, it, you know, the. One possible um, upside of of that would be that he would be a little bit more warmly kind of accepted by the royal family. But of course, that wasn't the case at all. And then he went on to kind of uh, talk about um, what he believed had happened, which he believed there was all kinds of dark forces involved in the crash in Paris and that ultimately... whatever 16 or something were involved in the deaths um, and he never accepted them um, and he was kind Although of kept has out. Although
0: it said if, if I remember rightly a lot of that verged on the tinfoil hat territory didn't it?
3: Oh yes it did oh absolutely it did yeah absolutely it did um, and he was always he, he you know I mean and, and I think this was something that was possibly put out by the establishment he began to be seen as being a kind of a, a kind of a, a, a a comedic almost figure, you know that he was a bit deranged, um, and then he put up that awful statue in in Harrods <laughs> um, of Dodi and Diana, and I think there was doves of peace, and and um, um, and it was awful, and it was gold, and it was very very um, awful, <laughs> um, and you know he never, I don't think he ever recovered from 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 all of that, you know, uh, but lived to a good old age in the end, ninety six.
0: 96 was it yes yeah. so that 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 yeah. um, and it's it's amazing the level of interest that there still is 26 years later in uh, all that i suppose some of it has uh, has had some life breathed into it by virtue of the crown and all of those issues absolutely. getting reventilated while we're yeah, talking front pages of the uh, papers i um, should ask yeah, porick your um, professional opinion on one of the stories in the front of the irish times end of the vera era this is the um Un- unwilling maybe is that the phrase departure of Vera pa- the slightly surprised departure of Vera Powell pa- because she's very popular still yeah
2: definitely a surprise departure and um, there's been a lot of commentary and a lot of analysis done since I suppose tension was rising during the week but I think Dennis Hurley the Cork journalist with the Echo down Lee side had a brilliant analogy on it. He, put it he said the contrasting fortunes of Jack and Vera so Jack Charlton our first manager and Vera Pau both the first to lead us to the World Cup but he put the picture of Jack and Vera Duckworth of their Rovers or outside the Rovers and turning the Coronation Street in front of it to make it quite humorous but um, I think Vera Pau has been very hard done by um, and I think that when we take a step back and analyse it first manager to get us to the World Cup um, and, you know, a lot of people are saying the whole Katie McCabe thing and how she maybe was critical of a player. She was asked a question in a press conference and she gave an answer, which is what, you know, if I'm sitting, asking a question, I want someone to give me an answer. She and did. Jack
0: Charlton was no wilting violet when he was asked questions about his exactly. players.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's I think I think that was kind of been used as as maybe a, a stick for a lot of people to beat her with, which is unfair. I think, in my own opinion, that kind of comes down to our communication and sometimes people from Europe are a lot more blunt than we are in Ireland. Like, if I want a cup of tea, I might get you to ask me three times before I say yes, whereas Virapau would say yes on the first occasion.
0: Um, but again, you look at parallel, like Jose Marino would say yes on the first occasion and remind you of how wonderful he was when you went to get him for it. Like, there, are, there is a lot of managers who have been blunt and successful. Alex Ferguson wasn't known for his diplomacy.
2: Absolutely, and I just think there's a lot of people that and it, it's becoming an, in the interview she's given this week or she only gave the one interview to Tony O'Donoghue but it, there was people that wanted Vera Powell out from the job from what we could see she felt there was an agenda um, and her role was diminished as the World Cup was going on and distractions as we've seen in previous World Cups it's nearly the administrators are getting in the way a lot of the time during these competitions where the focus should be what's going on on the field but I think we'll look back at this and um, in a couple of years time we're not blessed with fantastic talent great to get to World Cup we haven't been there many occasions before so um, best to look to but, Eileen but this is it for you
0: I mean with no, no criticism of, of the players but Dan when you look again at the Jack Charlton analogy he, he, or the Jack Charlton comparison he had some of the best players that we have ever had and the resourcing mightn't have been what it subsequently became but it was better than it had been before Vera Pau had nothing by comparison and I would have thought the record was fairly good no?
1: Yeah I, I was kind of very surprised about it as well I mean I, I agree with you I mean looking back at the time Jack Charlton when you think about it, players like Paul McGrath, and we've had, in my view, we've had no one to kind of come next or near him since. Um, he certainly, I agree with you, had a lot more at his disposal. I, I think the FAI may have made a mistake in this one. Maybe her manner at times might, she might come across a bit gruff, but personally, I don't think that makes any difference. To me, it's a results business. She was the first person to get, to get us to a World Cup. We are not blessed with brilliant players. So I think, you know, we did as well as we could. I think they could have built on the experience. And I do I do agree with Parik there. She answered a press conference there in terms of one of, one of her best players. But to be fair, if if I'm a manager and someone comes over to me and says, I think you should be making changes in the middle of a game, that's not her job. <laughs> While she might've been frustrated at the time, you know, you have to respect the manager. When the game is over, you can maybe go to the manager and say, maybe I think we could, we could come we could have done things differently. we certainly not with 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go. That's not the job of, of a captain or, or any player. So you have to respect the manager, even if you don't agree with him.
0: One of or, the slightly or, lesser stories from within the papers, but it is one of my personal favorites, is Irish Rail solving an issue that they had with um, phantom bookings. And I particularly like the nature of the phantom bookings that, are, uh, that they were getting. As I understand it, Dan, Irish Rail had a problem with pensioners block booking every seat on every train just in case they wanted to go on a trip.
1: Well I suppose in fairness like look we'd all have to you know if you're in a train and, and if somebody if an elderly person comes on you're, you're going to give up your seat and, and the majority of people would and I think certainly maybe a new system needs to put in place where there's a priority But pr- hang on a minute this is people
0: who have the free travel who are saying okay I'm going to go and book myself I'll book myself on the Limerick train I'll book myself on the Cork train I'll book myself on the Belfast train and I'll decide later which one of them I want to take Well, certainly, look,
1: you you can't stand over that. that, That's certainly something that you you, you certainly can stand over. You know, is there a need to be some sort of checks to to stop this from happening? Certainly, look, that that, that is certainly is not fair.
0: Um, I I think uh, I don't know. Have you have you been on a, um, a ten o'clock service, Porik, on any of the major Irish? It is like a mobile retirement community. It's the most remarkable thing. The people. I mean, it's a wonderful service to have to be able to say. But the notion that you can say, "I'm going to book myself on every single train and see which way it, it uh, ends up washing out." Barbara, are you are you relieved that this has now been um, solved?
3: I thought you were going to ask me, have you ever used your travel pass on a train? I was getting I wouldn't from,
0: presume I'm, that you had you, one, Barbara. Going, all right, here's, here's the owl one here now to comment on how many trains,
3: <laughs> how many seats she's reserved. I do not have a travel pass. Um, although I do have a friend who's recently got one and he keeps ringing me up suggesting trips that I'd like to go with him because he, he's, he's determined to go on every train all around the country, I think. You'd imagine this could be easily fixed though by operating a system similar to they do in hotels. So if you have your free travel pass and you want to make a booking, that you put in your debit or your credit card details and the card isn't debited unless you don't show up for your, for your booking. I don't really see why this is a huge big problem.
0: As in that you get the travel for free but you need to have a deposit in case you don't show?
3: Yes. Yeah, you don't have to pay the deposit but you know when you check into a hotel they'll take your card details. They won't debit your card unless you do a runner out of the hotel. Do you know what I mean? You can <laughs> choose whatever way you want to pay when you're checking out. So that they that that you know um, older people could do the same thing. You put in your debit or your credit card. It's not debited unless you don't show up for your booking. You know, but it's what? another it's another old example. They're giving the old people you know an inch and off they go and take four miles.
0: A lot of them are are, are texting to um, sing the praises of it. So, in, in 20 years, when you do get the pass, Barbara, just to let you know, uh, text saying, travelling by train, especially around Ireland, is my favourite thing. Anton, going on trains is the best. Don't blame the pensioners. It's funny, because I, I would regularly, during that um, year, end up going back and forth from Dublin to Cork. And the amount of people who literally get on the train in, in Dublin in the morning to go for lunch in Cork and come back in the afternoon, it's a grand old way to spend the day. I'm very much looking forward to myself. But, Anton, I think credit it's a great to idea. The,
2: the, the pesky pensioners. We often say they're not able to navigate IT and technical systems, but in this instance, Clearly we're well able to book online.
0: Five three one zero six at a cost of thirty cents Seven fourteen hundred one zero six. Finally, before we go, uh, Porik, your your view on Dermot Martin uh, doing an interview to indicate that he—if I have him—I want to be tread carefully in this—but he said that over the years there were two women that he could have thought of as life partners, and that we weren't people aren't designed for celibacy.
2: Yeah, one of the women also taught him how to use WhatsApp. It emerged. Um so
0: 106 if you're on it this morning. So Martin.
2: He's quoted um, It's on The Meaning of Life, the new series, and he said the idea of a priest being married or being in love would never be talked about. We were never trained for celibacy. You are cut out from the world. Um, and obviously it is a very lonely profession, a very lonely life and I don't know how you'd you know we spoke about the Department of Education I don't know how you'd incorporate this into your studies for the priesthood in any way um,
0: or why in this day and age you need to because it's, it's, it, we are not back in the day where you're taking church property but anyway that is a long discussion for another day Porick McMahon Head of News and Sport at the Clare Echo Dan Danaher Senior Reporter of the Clare Champion and Barbara Scully author and broadcaster back at Dublin thank you all very much after the break we'll be heading to the other side of the country and Stradbally for the latest from the Electric Picnic the Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.